Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Good morning. How are we feeling this morning? Yes, I love it. So uh, summer break is over. School is back in, which means kids are not excited. But parents, how do you feel? That's right. You get a little break, which is always awesome. Um, this time of the year always brings back some memories for me. So and it, right before school would start, every summer when I was younger, my sister and I would go spend a week with my grandparents. I don't know if you did that a lot growing up, but we'd go for a whole week and spend it with my grandparents. And I loved it because I was the only grandson. I was the namesake, which means I was spoiled and I got a lot of stuff. So when we would go for the week, I thought it was the best time ever. Uh, my grandma was so sweet. She would let us uh, build a fort in her house. And when I say in her house, I mean all over the whole house. So she would give us every sheet she owned and we would go and we would set it up. We would put it in drawers and, we, and it would be about this high. And my grandmother's not this short. And so in order for her to go to one room to the next, she was a little bit younger. She wasn't at her oldest age. She would get down on all, all fours and crawl all through the house to go to her bathroom or to the kitchen. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that means she loved me a whole lot to let me do that. But I was also, um, a, I'm a summer baby. And so my birthday's in July. And so when I would go stay with her, she knew I loved chocolate cake. She would make me a whole chocolate cake just for myself. And I'm not saying I blame her for what is today, <laughs> but I'm not saying I don't blame her either. Um, but also she would do breakfast for dinner uh, once a week for us when we were there because she knew I loved that. Um, I didn't tell this in the last service, but for some strange reason, my grandmother had year-round peeps. Like, I don't know, I guess she was a bargain shopper. And so it never failed. You would go to this one room in her house and she had hundreds of peeps just in there. So it wasn't even Easter and I was enjoying peeps. I think it's like Twinkies, those things never go bad. They can like last forever, but she always had peeps. Just fun fact about my grandmother. Um, but my granddad and I had a special bond and I used to love going and spending time with him. He was funny, uh, he would take me fishing, he would, he would do all these fun things, He'd take me to the zoo. But the thing I love most about my granddad is to hear his stories. I love to hear the stories about his life. Uh, he told me this story once when he got back from the war and one of his first jobs was he was a delivery man for the Coca-Cola company. And so he would have to drive Coke and deliver it around to different people. And so he had a job that was in Oklahoma. So he loaded up the truck, he traveled to Oklahoma. And when he arrived at the address, he realized that it was a movie set. And so he is getting out and he's getting, you know, all the soda and stuff and he's going to deliver it. And he comes up on this table and at this table, is some of you may know, um, Montgomery Cliff, uh, Walter Brennan, um, and then probably the most famous that everybody's gonna know, everybody's favorite cowboy, John Wayne, was sitting there. And so my granddad, after talking, found out that he was on the set of the movie Red River. And so John Wayne loves Coca-Cola, apparently, and he was so excited to see my granddad that he introduced himself, he let him meet everybody else, and then he asked him to sit down and play cards with all three of them. 
And so he sat and he played cards. And then when it was time to go shoot the rest of the movie, they told him, hey, since you're already here, why don't you just hang out and watch while we film? And so my granddad got to hang out with John Wayne as he shot the movie Red River. But probably the, the most captivating stories that my granddad told me that really stuck with me were those of when he was in World War II with the army. And um, some of the things that he would tell me were so crazy to me um, and so wild that he couldn't really talk about it a lot because the experiences he had, when he would talk about them, my grandmother would say at night he would have nightmares just thinking about everything that he had gone through. But my granddad fought at the Battle of the Bulge, um, which was really interesting. He also told me about the meanest man he had ever met, um, General Patton. He said he was scary. He was a scary man. Um, but you know, hearing all of these stories that my granddad told me, I, I was young and I don't think I really grasped um, everything that he had experienced in life. But it was a few years ago that my wife and I were in New Orleans and we went to the World War II Museum. If you ever go to New Orleans, I highly recommend you going. It's amazing. It's massive buildings with so many things about every place that happened in the war. And there's different uniforms and weapons and there's vehicles, there's airplanes. But out of everything that I saw, there was one thing that caught my attention and that stuck with me even to today. And that was a briefcase. Behind this glass, there was this briefcase and it was open. And in this briefcase, it was a leather briefcase, inside there were um, two gold candle holders. There was a, like a little golden, it looked like a little cup holder. Um, there was a vase and there was a golden chalice. And as I read more, I realized that this was a portable altar that they would give to the chaplains of the army. And that was pretty cool to me, but when I read the story, I was blown away. And the story was about Captain Oscar Henry Reinboth. And this was his portable altar. And on Easter Sunday, 1944, he took this altar and he set it up literally on the front line of battle. Because it was Easter, um, he was in Germany. He began to deliver a, a sermon, a message, and he did it in both German and English. And while he was delivering this message, it said that the fighting ceased. But as soon as he was done, the gunfire started back up. And there was something about this story that hit me. I even took a picture of it so I could have it on my phone so I could always remember this. But what hit me is that this man who didn't know probably any, hardly any of these guys, he went and he put his life literally on the line so he could tell others about Jesus. And it got me uh, started to think a little bit about what am I willing to do to tell others about the Jesus that I love and claim to be a follower of. And so I thought what we could do this morning is talk a little bit about that. We're in our series, Simple Math, where we are talking about the basics of our faith. But I have to be real honest with you. When I first heard this title for this, for this whole series, it didn't make sense to me because to me, there is nothing simple about math. I hated math. Elementary, middle school, high school, college. I did not like math. Now I did what I had to do. I studied as much as I could. I passed all my classes, but I have to be real honest. When it was time to take a test in math, I was terrified. 
It was something that I did not want to do. But then my kids got in elementary school and they started coming home. They started bringing me their math homework and I realized a couple things. I realized there's something called new math. I don't even understand the old math. Why am I getting new math? And then I started sweating as I'm looking at this paper because I'm sitting there and I'm like, dear Lord, don't let my kids realize how dumb I am. <laughs> and I'm looking at this math and I'm, I'm like, oh, just, I don't know, God, if you need to move some numbers around this paper, like get something in me to understand what's going on here. My kids are looking at me. But then I came up with something. I realized that math was just coming up with a solution to the problem and I found the perfect solution to their math homework. Go ask your mother. <laughs> Not only did this work for this situation in their lives, I realized this was the solution to a lot of their problems. Dad, what do I need to wear today? Mm, I don't know, go ask your mother. Dad, what are we having for dinner? Mm, not sure, go ask your mother. And here's the great thing. When they would do this, they got the answer right every time. Every time. And the cool thing is nobody had to show their work, which is always awesome. But I figured that we could look a little bit today um, back at the series so far, the basics of our faith. We had read God's word. We had serve others. Last week, Bill preached about worship and praise. And this morning, we are gonna look at what's called evangelism. And it means to share your faith. And something I learned as a kid, and probably you did too, I thought would be a perfect title for the message this morning. And that is, sharing is caring. Now, when I talk about sharing your faith, most of us probably feel like I do when I had to take a math test. You probably are terrified thinking, no, I no, not me. Like, I, I can't share. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to do. So today I wanna help you a little bit. And I wanna give you some tools and some things that I think is gonna make it possible for you to get out and to change your faith. Because for me, when I started in ministry, I believed that the way that you shared your faith, the only way, is that you went and you knocked on somebody's door around dinner time because that meant they were gonna be home. When they opened that door, you figured out how to get your way in so you could tell them about Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it didn't seem as effective to me because when you would see those people later around town, they would always seem to be walking on the other side of the street than you. I just thought that there had to be another way for you to be able to share your faith that actually connected you with people rather than push people away. Kind of like when um, the disciples were on the boat and they were fishing, and you have to remember, they were professional fishermen. They did this for a living. And they're casting out their nets, Jesus on the shore, and they keep pulling up and they get nothing. They got nothing. And what does Jesus tell them? He says, hey, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat? In other words, why don't you try something different? What happens? They throw their nets the other side. They begin to pull out more fish than they knew what to do with. There's another way to share your faith other than telling people about your faith. And that's what we are gonna talk about this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, go with me to John chapter nine. John chapter nine. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. We're gonna have it up on the screen for you. But we are gonna read um, through 12 verses. I, I wanna read a narrative, a story, and I think it's important. It's not that long, but I, I think it's important that we read it all so we can break it apart. And I think it'll be helpful when it comes to us sharing our faith. So John chapter nine, starting in verse one, 
It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Catch this. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Can I just stop for a second? Because when I, do you ever read something that Jesus did and you're like, wait, what did you just do, Jesus? This doesn't make sense. Well, I just picture Jesus hawking a loogie, right? This man sitting there, this man has no clue what's happening. He can't see anything. And so Jesus hawks into some sand, he rubs it. Then all of a sudden, he didn't, this guy didn't see it coming. And Jesus just puts it on the man's eyes. He gives him a mud facial without him even asking. And he goes with it. Do you ever think, Jesus, why do you do weird, crazy stuff sometimes? It just doesn't make sense to prove a miracle or show something. I know I think that all the time, but here's the reason why. Because he wants us to know that this is only something that he could do. And I think that's so important. So he goes ahead and he puts it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Then they asked him, where is this man? What we're gonna do this morning is I wanna take some things from this narrative that I think will be key to helping us feel more confident in being able to share your faith, being able to share your experience that you've had with Jesus with other people. And I think there's three questions that we need to ask ourselves. So if you're taking notes, the first question that we wanna ask is where are you planted? Where are you planted? I want you to think about a couple of things. I want you to first think about the city you live in. Now, I know we have a lot of people that live in different areas. We have Justin and Rome and Roanoke and Keller and Saginaw. We have a lot of places. I want you to think specifically about where you live. I want you to think about the schools that are in your area and how you have a connection to those schools. Maybe you have kids. And if you have kids that go to those schools, think about teachers, principals, think about people that you may have interaction with that, of adults that go to that school. Think about parents. If your kid plays a sport, maybe there's other parents that come to those same sporting events or band, whatever it may be. I want you to think about those other parents that are around you where you are planted. That's your city. I want you to think about your church. I want you to think about those, um, I would assume that most of us go to the Met since you're here, but that's not always the case. Maybe you're here visiting, which we're so thankful that you're here this morning. But wherever you go to church, I want you to think about maybe people that are in your Bible studies that you go to. Maybe people that are in your life group that you do life with. Just kind of picture them for a second. Um, maybe you serve, and maybe there's people that you serve with. I want you to think about them. And then I want you to, we're gonna do this together. I want you to think about people who sit around you at church, because here's the thing, we are creatures of habits. I know where most of you sit, because you sit in the same spots every time. We do that. When I, when I go to church, I'm sitting in the same spot every time as well. So I want you to do this all together. And if you're sitting around family, they don't count, okay? They don't have a choice. They have to sit by you. 
But I want you, we're gonna count down three, two, one. I want you to look around. I want you to notice people that maybe sit by you all the time. Maybe even make a little eye, eye contact. Now don't be creepy, don't wink or anything like that. But I want you to just notice. So we're gonna do that together in three, two, one. Look around, make eye contact with somebody. Okay, now that we've had that awkward moment all together, we're gonna move on. But those are people at your church. Think about your neighborhood. Um, I don't know how long you've lived in your neighborhood. I've lived in my neighborhood for a year now. And here's the truth is that both neighbors on both sides have now moved out. I don't know why it has just happened. They no longer live there. Um, they said it was them, not us, but whatever. We don't know. Um, we have new neighbors. Some neighbors we've gotten to know. The other neighbors are still not sure about us. They just kind of look at us. We wave and they don't even wave back. So we're going to work on it, okay? But I want you to think about your neighbors. Most of us live and there's houses 10 feet from us on both sides. Maybe you live in an apartment. It's even closer. Think about that for a second. And I want you to have those names if you know them or the faces in your mind. Maybe it's the neighbor across the street. We have awesome neighbors across the street. Um, so picture them for just a second. Then I want you to think about your job. Some of you are like, oh gosh, I'm at church. Why do I got to do this? But I want you to think about your job. Maybe you're the boss. If you're the boss, I want you to think about your employees. If you're not, um, I want you to think about your boss and I want you to think about your coworkers, people that you work with. Maybe you have clients. Maybe you have customers. I want you to think about those clients and those customers that maybe you have um, contact with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Picture them in your mind. Okay, now I want you to think about your family. If you're married, I want you to think about your spouse. Maybe you're a parent, I want you to think about your kids. I want you to think about your parents. I want you to think about maybe your grandparents if they're still alive. I want you to think about your, your extended family, all those people that are considered your family. And I didn't say you have to like them, I just said that are considered your family. Lastly, I want you to think about maybe some relationships. Maybe it's a friendship. Um, maybe, maybe you're not married and maybe you're dating. I want you to think about that relationship. And the reason I want you to start processing and thinking a little more deeply about all these people, because I want you to realize that these people are surrounded you, that you are planted where you are for a reason. You are planted where you are for a reason. Whether you like where you're planted or not, say it's your job. You don't like your job, I would encourage you to pray about maybe God showing you another place that you can be employed. But until then, I want you to see that whether you like it or not, you were planted there. Take the blind beggar, for instance. I'm sure um, it said, we learned a lot about him. It said that he was blind from birth. Back then, we knew that if you were blind from birth, you had one option, and that was to sit down and beg every day of your life. That's, that's what it was. Now, think about that for a second. Do you think his parents... When he was born, they were like, oh, great. He gets to be a beggar his whole life. No, you think that's what they wanted for their child? Do you think this man, um, as he started to grow up, that he thought this was the ideal situation, that this was his dream job, to sit outside the temple and be a beggar? No, but what do you see? You see that no matter what he thought about the position, no matter what he thought about the job he was doing, God used him where he was. And I think that's so important for us to understand. Where you're implanted is, is important because where you are is where God can 
use you. The thing about God is that not only does he plant you where you are, but he plants you there for a purpose, for a purpose. And that's your next question is what is your purpose? There's a a Hebrew word in the Bible called basar. And what's interesting about this word is it means to preach. And I'm here to tell you this morning that this word applies to you. And you may be saying, I'm not, a, I'm not a preacher. There's no way you could pay me enough money to get on stage and do what you do or what Pastor Bill does. But what's interesting about this word is not only does it mean to preach, it also means to show. And I think that's so key this morning. Think about it. Uh, you've seen the, the movie Jerry Maguire? He's sitting there and he's talking to his agent, Jerry, and he's ready to do a contract. And what does he tell him? Show me the money, right? Show me. Don't just talk about it, Jerry. Be about it. Show me the money. When I was little, I used to go to Barnum and Bailey Circus. Anybody ever been, right? It's known as the greatest show on earth. Why? Because it's something you can't just hear about. It's something you have to see and experience. There's something about showing. There's something about seeing that changes us. First John 3.18 says this, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's about action. It's about doing, it's about showing. I've been married for 15 years and I tell my wife often that I love her. I tell her all the time, Amanda, I love you. Hey, babe, I love you. All right, you're leaving, love you. Okay, you're getting off the phone, love you. But here's the thing, if I just say I love you, but nothing in my relationship, nothing in my life actually shows my wife that I love her, it doesn't match up. Love is something you see. Do you know that the, um, I've had friends that have been waiters and waitresses in, in the service industry. Do you know the worst time to be a waiter and a waitress is? Uh, so many people have told me this. It's right after this service. It's the lunch crowd at noon. They said that's the worst. They said that the church crowd is the rudest, the most entitled, and catch this, the lowest tippers. Now, I know that's not anybody from this church, right? But I'm just saying, that's the general consensus for people that work in the service industry that the church crowd is the absolute worst to be on, be on your job when they are coming. But that's not what I want for my life. I know that's not what you want for yours. So the question is to ask, then Jesus, what are we supposed to be? In that, that narrative that we just read in verse five, he tells them, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But we know this. We know that Jesus, he went to the cross. He died for our sins, right? He went to the grave three days later. He rose from the dead. He was on earth for a little bit with his disciples, right? And then he ascended into heaven to go prepare a place for us, which means he's no longer in the world. So the question is, if the light is gone, who is the light now? Matthew chapter five, verse 14 says this. You are the light of the world. You, 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 
maybe not you, no, I'm just kidding. You, you, you and I, we are the light of the world. It says a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house, all those who are planted around you. Let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works. Why? So they can glorify your father in heaven. I don't know if you know a lot about the sky, science and the things that are in our world, but the moon, even if you don't know a lot, you may know this. The moon is what lights up the darkness at night. But the interesting thing about the moon is the moon is not its own light source. The moon actually takes the sun and reflects it onto the darkness of the earth. It's not even its source. It gets its source from the sun. And what's interesting is so do we. You and I are not our own light source. We get our source from the sun, Jesus Christ. You and I are called to be a reflection of who Jesus is, who Jesus is. I thought a lot about this with our church and I have uh, the privilege to be very involved with the Cindy Ramsey Resource Center and what we do for our community. And I think this is such an awesome way to show our community what we think about them. Last month, we were able to fill around 850 trunks with food, which is incredible. And that's about average for us, 850 to 900. But this month alone, we have been able to fill over 2,300 trunks full of food, which is incredible. And I don't say that so you can applaud me. I say that so you can see the reflection of Jesus that you are a part of as being a part of the Met Church. See, being a reflection is something you see. Being a reflection of Jesus is the same. It is something you see. And because in our story, these people saw a difference in the blind beggar, he was no longer blind. The blind man became a living testimony of God's love, of God's mercy, and of God's grace. And because they saw a physical change, they saw something different about this man, they wanted to know how it happened and where it came from. When you and I begin to be a reflection and let our light shine for Jesus, people wanna know the source, which leads us to our third question. Who is your hope? Who is your hope? First Peter 3.15 says this, but in your hearts, Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And listen to how it says we should do it. But do this with gentleness and respect. I think for most of us, this is where it becomes a little intimidating. I think this is the part when people start asking you, you know, I've, I've been asked before, why are you the way you are? And it wasn't meaning a good thing. Um, but I think in this situation, sometimes when people see something great or they see something that you're doing that just seems a little unnatural, they may begin to ask, why are you the way that you are? Why do you, why do you think that way? Why are you so kind? 
Why, why do you treat people so, why do you do that? What is it in you that makes you that way? What is your hope? And this is where we get scared because we're like, ah, what do I tell them? If I were to ask you to give me a 30 second um, overview or a 30 second talk about somebody in your life, maybe it's a spouse or uh, maybe it's your parents or maybe it's a friend, Give me a 30 second talk about somebody who changed your life and, and how they changed it. Could you do that? I would say most of us could. It's the same thing when you're talking about your encounter with Jesus. It's the same thing. It, it's simple, it's honest, and it's true. Take the blind man for, for an example, okay? When they asked him, What's, what happened? Something happened to you. Tell me your story. This is what he said. He said, I met a man named Jesus. He spit in the mud, he put it in my eye. He went to tell me to go wash, and this is what I know. I was blind, and now I see. See, you're telling your witness story, your encounter with Jesus, which I'm here to tell you, everybody's witness account is gonna be a little different. It's gonna be a little different, and that's okay. You're telling your story. Your story may look different than others, but here's the deal. The outcome for all of us is still the same. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. There's two things I want you to catch with this, that when you, when you are giving your hope, I want you to remember this, that you, first of all, you're a witness and not a lawyer, which that's a relief, right? You don't have to argue with somebody about the story that you have of how Jesus changed your life because it's your story. Remember how it tells us at the end how we should be ready to give an answer. It says two words. It says, do it with gentleness and respect. No need to argue about why your life is different because of Jesus. And the second thing is this. Don't think that God didn't use you just because you didn't see a change in someone right away. When I was younger and I used to share my faith, if you got me, you let me in your house at your dinner time and I got to share my faith. And if I didn't see something different in your life before I left, I felt like I was a failure and that I didn't do my job. But I'm here to tell you that your job is not to see growth. Your job is not to change them. Your job is to tell them your story of who Jesus is and what he did for you. Remember this, Pastor Bill says it all the time. Some people who plant the seed, some people, some people who water the seed, but it's God who gives growth. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does so well. Let him change lives. You just be the one that tells your story. And then lastly, I heard a story um, a little bit ago, and it happened in 1965. And there was a rabbi, Abraham Heschel, and he linked arms with Martin Luther King Jr. as they went on this march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama to protest and raise awareness for the difficulties of, that were facing African-Americans when it came to the voting rights. And so him being a man of faith after this long journey, this reporter ran up to him and they, he asked him, he said, hey, Rabbi, on this long journey, did you pray the whole way? And I want you to see what his answer was. His response was this. Today, I felt my feet did the praying. See, people will know um, what you think by what you tell them. But they'll know what you believe by what you 
showed them. Bob Goff said it this way. Every act of extravagant love answers the only question everyone really has about your faith. Faith is something that is seen, not just heard. And today, you and I, maybe it could be for the first time for you, um, maybe it could be for the hundredth time, today you and I have a great opportunity to be a light in a very, very, very dark world. We have the opportunity to show people who Jesus is by the way we treat them, by the way that we love them, by the way that we show mercy, by the way we forgive them. We have an opportunity to show them Jesus through love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I know as I say all those, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm not good at that one. Nope, that's patience, don't have that one all the time. I understand that it is a high bar that's been set because you know why it's a perfect bar that was set by Jesus. And if you wanna get to where we can start taking on those things to Jesus, we wanna be like Jesus, guess what? We need to start spending time with Jesus. So what does that look like? Well, I think it comes back around because I think it looks like simple math. I think it looks like spending time in God's word. Do we wanna know what God wants for our life? Well, then let's start looking at the book that he left for our life. I think it looks like serving others. If we wanna be like Jesus, let's do what Jesus did. The Bible says Jesus came to serve, not to be served. If we want that intimate connection with God, I think it's time that we begin to spend more time in worship. We, we begin to spend more time giving praise to the only one who is worthy of our praise, and that is Lord Jesus. I think if you want to see your faith grow, I think you need to talk about all the things that God is doing in your life. Not only when you talk about it more does it begin to change you more, it also begins to change those that you are talking to about it. And then lastly, I wanna encourage you to come back next week. And I know it's a holiday weekend, but if you're in town, try to make it. Pastor Bill is ending our series and he's gonna be talking about a way that we can intimately have conversations with God and that is through prayer. And it's gonna be amazing. But I thought what I could give you as you leave today is a challenge. A challenge for all of us as we leave to start to open our eyes to see the opportunities of where we're planted with the people around us and how God wants to use us in those situations to be a reflection of him. And practically, what does that look like? Well, let me give you some examples. Maybe it's a kind word. Maybe it's a dirty dish that needs to get cleaned. Maybe it's a warm meal for somebody who really needs it. Maybe it's holding the door open a couple extra seconds to let somebody go in before you. Maybe it's forgiveness for a grudge that's gone on way too long. I'm not that old, but I know that life is short. I'm not promised tomorrow, life is but a vapor, but I know this, as long as I live, I wanna make sure that I can get over my grudges that I can show forgiveness just like Christ has shown me forgiveness. And then lastly, maybe it, it happens today after this service. Maybe an opportunity to show God's love is when you go to lunch to show some patience, 
show some kindness, and to leave a large tip. (laughs) Whatever it is, I want us to open our eyes to the opportunities that we have to be a reflection of who Jesus is. And when we start doing this together and, and this light shines and this light shines, this light shines, this light shines, and we do it together, what happens, it becomes a giant spotlight. And do you know who this spotlight points to? Our source, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning we have the realization that the more time we spend with you, the more we begin to look, act, speak, and become like you. God, I pray this, even starting today, God, I pray that our eyes are open to the many opportunities that you give us throughout our day where we are planted to shine your light so that people will be drawn to you, connected to you, and changed by you. God, not that you need permission, God, but I pray that we allow you to use us so that people can see you and be be connected with you, that they can know you in a personal way. God, because we know to know you is not temporary. To know you is for eternity. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.